0: My guest on today's show is Ray. He is half of the podcast Pull Yourself to Pieces. It's a comedy podcast. I met him on Twitter, as I meet all my guests on Twitter right now. And he had responded to one of my very favorite story prompts. So we took this one into some really absurd directions. Honestly, I don't have anything on my mind. It's been kind of a wipeout sort of week uh, got some super top-secret things going on in the background, uh, and I went to a big-time wrestling meet for my kids. Hello, Chew, my podcast co-host, and uh, then another wrestling meet this evening. So it's been busy on the home front. I know that that is boring, but that's sometimes the life of a writer. Chew does have an ear infection, don't you, Chew? Well... Or- Yeah, pulling for him to get better. Anyway, um, I'll stop boring you and get to my show with Ray Librandi. I'll have all of his information. And if I mispronounced his name wrong, I did listen to his podcast to hear him actually pronounce his own last name. But like a total novice, I never asked him when I had him in person and he doesn't say it on the podcast. Anyway, (laughs) here I am droning on more still. We'll get you now to the show. If you've ever gone to a reading and felt bored, TRBM is the show for you. TRBM is for writers what time lapse is for painters, guitar solos and spotlights were for bands, what chainsaws and ice blocks were for sculptors. What does TRBM stand for? True Red Bull Man? Trash rhymes and bad music? The Really Blooming Mess? You decide. I,
1: I trying I try and explain this this myth of New York rudeness as not so much being rude. It's really just we have no time. We're always in a hurry, we're always in a rush. And so we don't know how to exchange the pleasantries that normal people would because we never have time. And so that comes off as rudeness. But New Yorkers, I I used to explain New Yorkers like this. We have this ability to ignore people to the point where they will think they're invisible. But should you yell help and we come running? And I found that to be true all along. If you if you study stories about New York and things that have happened in New York, um, we help each other when only when necessary. Otherwise, we just keep to ourselves and we ignore you.
2: Yeah, so that's it. That's I, it in a I loved my my wife and I honeymooned there, which you can never say something's a mistake when you have such fond memories of it. probably was not a, an ideal uh, honeymoon location because you'd probably prefer to be up to other things um, than like seeing the sights and being stressed out by all of like the busyness that is uh, New York. But man, it, like. Getting Using the subway system, and she was a a wonderful navigator. She was just really naturally good at figuring out when you had to ride the red line or where you were going, what stop to get off on. Um, We just walked miles and miles and miles and miles. I love New York. It's an amazing place to be. I couldn't imagine living there at this point in my life for the same (laughs) reason that you said, that like the the busyness would be overwhelming to me.
1: I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: I was stuck there for thirty three years and I hated the place. So there no it go. Yeah. Yeah, that's... no, I hated I hated it.
2: That's funny. So I'm talking to you from a town of just a little over 900 people. It's my wife's hometown. I grew up in Denver, so I'm kind of more of a city person by nature. Um, yeah. I think that there are days where I'd probably tell you I can't wait to to, to get the hell out of here, uh, but you can't be, beat living for free. I bought, I bought the house I'm living in for $30,000 and uh, did probably another $50,000 of fix-ups, and I was able to do that all with cash, so you know, I pay for utilities. Hey, good,
1: yeah. good, Good for you. And yeah, I think Denver is right. a nice place to live. I think as yeah. states go, I think Colorado is one of the better ones.
2: Yes. Yeah, it is. It's a really, I, I loved growing up there. Um, funny enough though, I, I was excited to leave as well and I've never had a desire to like go back and reestablish roots or anything. So a lot uh, of tourists.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I go back, I go back to New York about three times a year, spend, spend time with Bill and, and his family. And after three days, I can't wait to get the hell
2: out of there. <laughs> Just, yeah.
1: I find I find myself becoming one of them again and it it doesn't suits me.
2: So. Mm, I hear you. Yeah. So, I guess I'd ask you what is what's your first and foremost? Like who who what's your identity? Like what are you on this world Gosh. to do? I know. That's a, so dive in really deep.
1: <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Um I've owned I'm on my 6th business. So, I'm most first and foremost, I guess an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm a retired musician. I taught myself how to play the drums at 11, and I was the lead singer for a jazz and standards band. I started writing at the whim of a woman I was dating in 2003, literally just to make her laugh. And what I mean by that was she had this maniacal laugh like a mental patient. And so I used to love to make her laugh. And so she's at my place and we're having dinner one night. And I said, I know what you'd like, my comedy folder. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I've been writing these little comedy things that I've been writing for years that I think are funny. So I bring it out and sure enough, she opens it up and she starts with the laugh and I'm loving it, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm wacky that way. And so she stops dead and she looks at me seriously. She says, this is really funny. Can you write anything serious? And I said, I don't know. I've never tried. She said, you should try and write something serious. So she leaves that night. I go in my bedroom. I'm looking up at the ceiling and I get this idea. All right, I'm going to write a story. So I write a two page short story. It just popped out of my head. And the next time I saw her, I showed up to her. She's like, what's this? I said, well, you want to know if I could write. She reads it and she says, you need to write more. And I'm I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, you need to write more. So I started writing and it, they're short stories. And they just they just literally poured out of me. I'd get an idea I'd get an idea and I would you know just immediately have characters in my head and start to write and nine short stories later my brother bill who is the tech genius behind what we do he is gathering them together in an ebook for me and hopefully um, soon we'll have it out there uh with everybody else's product so Awesome. And again, it's just it's just a compilation of short stories I wrote. It's a legacy that I would like to leave after I'm gone, that people could find and say, "Oh my god, you know, wow, look at that. There's some short stories here. I don't know who this guy is, but you know, I like him or I hate him. Um, I I don't need to make a living from it. It's just something that um, I, I. And this is in the this is a, a lot of years in the making. I stopped writing those stories probably around 2006 or seven was probably mm. the last story I wrote.
2: Wow. Okay. So they've been in the drawer for a long time.
1: They've been in the drawer for a long time.
2: Okay. So you're going to, I guess, dust off your 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 writing hat, uh, your fiction writing hat, your short story writing hat, because we're going to tell a short story together. Um, the tweet that we're working on is Amazon offers to hire you to sabotage bookstores. They'll pay you $2.5 million per year. Uh, and will you take the job?
1: Okay. So here's my story. So yeah, so there's there's really not a lot of upward mobility working from McDonald's, and um, apparently the people around me enjoy the stories that I tell, but they're mostly family stories of things that have happened. Yeah, and I may embellish a little bit here and there, but for the most part they're true, and I've lived them so I can recall them easily. And somebody said to me, "Hey, you know Amazon's hiring," and I'm like, "Well, I." Interesting, but you know, I, I don't really want to work for those wages. And that person suggests, well, you know, you don't really have to work in the factory, there are other positions that they're offering. And I'm like, all right, so I set up an interview and I actually get the interview. And I just happened to recall some of the stories to the interviewee, and they're looking at me and they're scratching their head. And they're like, you know, don't really know what to do with you. Do, do you read a lot of books? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I like to read them, I'm, I'm, I'm a good reader, I enjoy reading books. Oh, that's interesting. So, um, so do you read any Amazon books? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll I'll take out I'll a, a, a I'll do an ebook once in a while, but I prefer a, you know, a hardcover in my hands. I'm old I'm old school. Oh, that's interesting. So, so you like real books? I go for the most part, yeah. So, so here's the thing: we have a position open, and quite frankly, it really has to do with eliminating some of the competition. And I say, competition, what competition? Oh, right. Oh yeah. uh, Brick and mortar bookstores. So those are your competition. And he looks at me and says, well, yeah, obviously that's basically all we have. So I say, well, where do I come in? And he says, well, we'd like to hire you to, mm, I don't know, let's say, um, torpedo some (laughs) of uh, the bookstores that are out and about. I said, well, okay, well, how do I do that? I said, well, you know, we can't really give you ideas because that would be bad if this was ever found out. You just just are going to have to get creative on your own. They said, all right, well, how, what does this pay? And then they proceeded to give me a figure that I'd have to work 10 years to achieve. And so I take the job. And so now comes the problem. I've got to get creative and figure out how to sabotage the bookstores. And this is not an easy task. I mean, flipping burgers was so much easier than now having to come up with inventive ways to cut out the, uh, you know, the competition at this point. So my strategy is this. So what are the pros and cons of actually holding a book in your hand versus just downloading a book or reading it on a Kindle or not having to buy that book because once you buy the book and you've read it, that money is basically, it's wasted. It's just going to sit on your shelf unless you hand it off to somebody else. Now they're getting a free book or you donate it to the library and they're going to get some free books. So now I have to try and figure out a way to make it sound like actually purchasing a book is not a good idea financially. And so the task that is before me Becomes um, a bit tough, and that's about as far as I can go right now without actually having to come up with some ideas. So <laughs> the premise is fine, but I mean, how would I go about <laughs> how would I go about doing this? I mean, you know, other than picketing in yeah. front of a bookstore saying, hey, which D- there, there's a better but- way.
2: Yeah, exactly. Being a, being a $2.5 million employee and picketing just probably isn't going to get you there. My guess is if you, (laughs) this is just my, this is my thinking about the kind of person who's going to accept this particular job. You might not have a ton of scruples. Now there's, there's a couple of things going here. You can be really sympathetic to everybody listening because who doesn't want $2.5 million a year? I mean, that's, that's a that's a really significant yeah. amount of money, and so yeah. maybe maybe in your normal life, your principled life, you're you're like a basically decent dude, but possibly a couple of times, like maybe you stole a chocolate graham cracker from uh, a, a deli. That how did that you know? Look tasty. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> 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 and so so you've got the ability to maybe to maybe do a little bit of mischief every once in a while, sure. and you can kind of justify ends ends justify the means. So immediately, and this is just. I find myself doing this a lot with this this story format is that I think of other books that for or yeah books or stories that that fit uh, a concept and I'm not sure why I went here but I thought about Fight Club and I thought about the kind of person who maybe has a dual nature um because as you were telling the story I was just on the verge of interjecting and saying uh, a strange occurrence happened because you read in uh a, it's not going to be the newspaper anymore but you read online uh, that that a bookstore burnt down, and you thought that that was really strange, given the job that you had just taken. Oh. Um yeah, right. And so oh, I'm, go- I'm
1: going. I'm going dark. Huh?
2: I, you know, I don't know for sure. I'm not entirely sure. But if if someone gives you two point five million dollars and you're like, I need results, or I'm going to lose this job. Oh, you know, oh, okay. I mean, maybe maybe All a right, night. So- nobody's there i don't know for sure and i'm not i'm i'm only offering one option you can go in a completely different you can say you know what i'm not taking it we're going this direction instead but i thought about i thought about that
1: well that's interesting well here's the thing though if i burn that bookstore down the odds are they have insurance and a year later they're just going to build another one so it's really not going to stop the presses at this point it's a hindrance and honestly i mean how many bookstores are left? It's really just Barnes and Noble. And there are a couple of small chains around that I've seen. But I mean, think where how think where I'd have to go and how much I would have to do to burn down every single bookstore. And I think eventually somebody would somebody smart would look at the situation and say, Hey, willing to bet the same guy's doing this, and then
0: <laughs> eventually
1: I'm gonna get caught and I don't look good in stripes. So mm. that's gonna be a problem.
2: I, I I'm one hundred percent right there with you. So yeah. Oh, okay. I like, I mean, we're literally just building a blueprint at this point for somebody who wants to sabotage books. So if you're listening to the podcast right now and you want to be a book saboteur, do not call Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> they know they're not actually hiring for this position. Oh um,
1: yeah.
2: I love right. that you bring insurance into this. I think insurance is a really fantastic angle to look at it from. And yeah. I'm I'm trying right now to think, is there a way that you could nullify uh, an insurance contract? and harm the bookstore at the same time. I mean, you have to have, oh, wow. you, right. You right. really are. You, you really are devious. There, I, I got to say, <laughs> hey, it's, wow. part of, it's part of, yeah, exactly. I know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Uh Yeah. That was, um, I read that one. I remember reading it and I thought, wow, that's a toughie. It you know, is. How would I, how would I sabotage a step? Well, here's the thing. Look, I mean, they're dropping left and right themselves, you know, bookstores, uh, look, uh, ten years from now, there won't be bookstores anymore. I don't believe there will be.
2: Wow, that, I, I think mean, that's, a, that's I, a really big statement. I I'm not yeah. going to agree or disagree, but uh, give me your case.
1: I think they're going to go the way of uh, movie houses. I think I think people are just not going to plunk down thirty dollars for a book that they can rent on Amazon for a couple of bucks or download to a Kindle.
0: Yeah,
1: and look uh, the the. The people that actually read us older guys, we're, we're, we're fading fast. We're dying off. I don't think mm. youngsters read unless they absolutely have to read. And then they're told what to read. And it's usually, you know, for a school credit. Mm. But do people actually read anymore? No, no. Young people sit behind, you know, sit in their uh, sit at chairs and play video games all day. Reading is a think of the past. And I think 10 years from now they won't be bookstores anymore. I mean there's only one or two chains left and when they're gone they're gone.
2: Right. So you're, you you the, the thing that you've said from the beginning and we are stepping out of the story for a conversation that I do want to have um is I you're thinking in the macro a little bit in ways that I I uh I would start to look at your argument and say I think that the data is showing that independent bookstores are thriving right now um and that's part of why uh, the the chain model of bookstores struggles a little bit because it's sure. homogenized and one of the few groups out there it's why it's actually so difficult to market to readers is that reading is a personalized behavior so one person might be an avid reader and read all like naval uh thrillers or they might read document or excuse me biographies um and and you've got like just these different segments and how to reach them and what interests them is different and the big box bookstore has a giant section for fiction general fiction a small section for sci-fi a small section for fantasy self-help is a massive section and then oh yeah. have a few biographies and the reason I'm i'm kind of like walking through the bookstore is that when you have that set up, then the people who read sci-fi and fantasy won't go to that store. Um, And the local bookstore has the ability to curate their collection based on the people who are walking through the doors. So they get feedback and they can adapt much more quickly, which is effective and efficient. I think the big box bookstores other than Barnes and Noble will be gone. Just like you said, I do think that indie bookstores will continue to thrive. What my biggest fear is though and I was I think I even have a little bit of this conversation with my guest Chris whose episode's going to come out here shortly. I I think the real issue and the reason I asked this question even and set up this story is that indie bookstores are inadvertently booing up and keeping big publishers alive and it's hurting everyone.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. FS, FSG, uh, Harper Collins, Penguin Random House need to go down <laughs> for. <laughs> I know it sounds awful. I am. Yeah, so no. no, but I mean, they need to they need to die in order for the industry to live. And I think that that's what's really interesting is that indie bookstores are accidentally uh, shooting themselves in the face by. Yeah,
1: well, the well, the other thing, too, is the tables are now turned. You, you know, you, in the in the past, you would submit your, you know, your 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 product. And sit there and pray that somebody read it and that's pray that somebody liked it and pray that somebody was going to. But look, we, anybody now can self-publish their own book. So uh, a lot of the process has been taken out of it and people are more, much more independent these days. And they're not going to, they're not going to go to the book publisher and say, Oh, please. And beg.
0: Yeah. That, so that behavior that,
1: that is going quickly. Landscape. Yeah. That changed the landscape a lot too.
2: It has. And that's why I think that the indie bookstores are hurting themselves is that not not enough of them. And I can't say all of them, uh, although I would I wouldn't mind if some bookstore owners sent me some hate mail um, for making these claims. But because they stock their stores with big publishers books, uh, they're not representing the self-published market enough. And I think that's harming them. However, I will put in the caveat. And this is kind of an interesting piece of the story. If we get back to telling it is. Amazon is not the savior in this situation. Amazon is the next uh, jailer. They're the next person who's going to harm writers uh, because they're going to take a, a bigger and bigger cut as time goes on. And they're also going to force you to do things their way. Um, and, and that's equally oh, that's, problematic. That's bad.
1: Yeah. That's bad. When, when that happens, um, creativity is going to suffer. Yes. A lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't really know what the future holds for writers. It's not something I really think about because, again, it's not what I do for a living. It's just, it's just on a whim, uh, something that became a hobby and something that I enjoy because I get to be creative, and that's that's basically what I live for. I mean, the podcast, what I do for a living, I own a home remodeling company. I get to be creative Um, when I'm either building something, making something, singing something, or writing something. I get to be creative. And if you're going to eventually take that away from me, then I'm not going to be happy. So I don't know what the future holds for writers. All I know is I'm going to have an ebook soon, and it's probably going to be through Amazon. And if it sells some copies, I make some pennies. Yippee. But that's, that's not the goal. So I'm I'm the wrong guy at this point to interview To say, all right, so what are we going to do about this? You know, how do we gear up for this fight? Well, (laughs) I'm really not in the fight. I don't have any, I don't have any ammo. I'm just, um,
2: I think, yeah, Yeah. I think it makes you the perfect person to tell the, the, the actual story. So we're going to, we're going to actually port some of your real life details into the story, which doesn't actually still mean that this is you. It just means we're borrowing from your life, which is what others do. Well, that I can Ah. do. That's easy. Yeah. So you in, in the story, uh, have taken this job and you are an author of a, a collection of short stories. You don't ever really intend to write another book. And so you know that Amazon's the best place to publish because uh, they're, they're going to be able to house your book for free and you don't have to worry about any of the other kind of like marketing or setting up a Shopify. Like what the heck is a Shopify sure. in the first place? Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So this is great. And you get $2.5 million to pursue all of your other creative endeavors. Um, and you just don't like the smell of bookstores in the first place. So all of of these things are are together you you really did think about the whole burn in fact you know what? You did burn down the, that one bookstore, and and you you realized really quickly from hearing some some crosstalk yeah. that insurance had had just basically gotten them back on their feet. They were able to move their their shop, and you know everything just carried on. You're like, well, you know that 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 didn't work. Yeah. So, what is your next effort to try to sabotage a bookstore? Because I think I think there's comedy here. I think that that's the yeah. direction to go. You're the you're the guy to tell this story. Um, yeah. So let's make some comical errors. Like you you might not succeed in your job. And and that's okay. probably an important piece to, to carry yeah. forward is that your efforts might be futile, but you're going to yeah. try your darndest.
1: So I took some of that $2.5 and decided, well, if I'm going to do this, I need a way to basically set the fire and get the hell out of this. So my next investment was a brand new BMW M5 because, well, I like sports <laughs> cars. But in this case, I murdered it. I had it blacked out. So it basically was... It was basically the car that was used in the Green Hornet, right? At nighttime, (laughs) you wouldn't even notice it. So now I'm thinking, hey, this is great. I'm going to be stealth. I got something that's fast. I got something quick, something I can can jump. I can break the window of the store. Yeah, the alarm's going to go off, but I got to be quick. I got my one-gallon tank of plastic tank of gas. I'm going to set it in there. I'm going to throw some matches in there, hop in my car, and take off. Well, this works well for a quite a few endeavors where eventually one night I've got my Beamer and I'm parked next to the bookstore and I break the window and I break the glass and I toss in the gallon of gas and I light a match, except it was only problem. I wasn't expecting the explosion. So yeah, it exploded, blasted out the windows shards of flying books on fire Uh, attack me attack the beamer (laughs) that goes up on fire i my my coat's on fire and now i'm running around doing the stop drop and roll because i'm burning and i finally get a taste of what it's like to be inside the bookstore so karma has finally come my (laughs) way
2: yeah yeah and then you realize burning burning bookstores is 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 not the way because you're doing not all this right. hard work and yeah. and the insurance keeps covering them. So yep. you do you do a little reading and you realize that uh, in in your area of the country, anyways, uh, flood insurance is not required on commercial ah, buildings. Flood. Yes, flood insurance right. isn't required, and so a lot mm. of these bookstores are barely making it as it is. And you realize mm. if you can just you know maybe get the sprinklers to go off without setting a fire so then
1: i invest in the city schematic because i want to know where all the water walls are i want to know where the supplies run under the street i want to know where the water is flowing and sure enough i happen to find some of those supplies and having a, a, a miner's helmet i take couple of sledgehammers and some um, cold chisels and I venture underground and using my new guide I happen to find the pipes that run directly beneath this really huge bookstore that's been on my list since I started this and sure enough I find the feed and I take my sledgehammer and my cold chisel and I start pounding away so I'm not unlike Tim Robbins in
0: Shawshank, <laughs> redemption. <laughs> redemption. The only difference
1: is I don't have to call, I don't have to crawl through crap. I just have to wait for this thing to go. And then <laughs> it's going to be gusher time. And seeing how most books are made of paper, once they get wet, I don't think they're going to be readable. But I'm not really sure how much pressure runs through this line. So when I finally break <laughs> through. This thing is like Niagara Falls, and immediately the area that I'm in is flooded. Now, I'm not a good swimmer, so now I've got to skedaddle out of there, and I end up getting shot out of the manhole by 1,000 square foot per inch of water pressure. I go about 30 feet in the air and luckily come back down on a tree that happens to be nearby, just missing my new car, by the way, which is an M3 because the M5 just wasn't reliable. So I turn to see water pouring out of every single window and little books coming out like little floating boats and just landing in the street all the while clapping my hands like a you know a trained seal. So I'm happy because I have figured out a way now to do this without getting burned and you know maybe a good shower once in a while because God knows we all need a good shower. <laughs>
2: You know, and and the and the great thing is, is it does work. You you find out on the news station that the the bookstore owner is devastated that they've suffered a complete loss. Um, but a couple of issues crop up because uh, there's a really industrious detective who realizes that uh recently some some schematics for water lines were bought, and uh, that's not a, that's not a typical buying behavior for your everyday citizens usually kind of the plumbers union that needs that stuff and so the detective does a little snooping around and at the same time the local news station reports that there was a a, a lady nearby who heard some strange sounds in the the area of the bookstore uh and a man uh, uh, screaming and she's not sure but she might have seen him get washed out of 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 the the water system um so now you 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 have too much attention on you what are you going to do mm. So, (laughs) I have two choices. I can either find the witness
1: and silence her once and for all, (laughs) which means going in a whole new direction of um, debauchery, um, or I'm going to have to find a new MO. I'm going to have to figure out another way to sabotage these things. And so, I'm thinking, hey, 9 11, small airplanes, right? So I go and I take a flight course. <laughs> I, I, I invest in one oh, quarter ownership of a Cessna and I find the cheapest just basically rubber band flying plane I can fly. And I'm thinking, well, here's a pretty good investment. You know, a couple of grand. I'm making 2.5. I'm going to learn how to fly this thing. I'm going to get myself a parachute. I'm going to figure out how I can just crash this thing into, you know, that, that, that mall, that line of stores. And so if I take out the whole bunch of stores, not pinpointing just the bookstore that I'm I'm shooting for. Well, I won't be, you know, it'll look like, oh, my God, an accident. Gee, pilot came in and hit the bookstore. So sure enough, I learned how to fly. I become an ace and um, take my plane up and I've got my parachute and I'm probably hovering at about, I guess, about 4000 feet you know, airspeed is about 80 miles an hour on my little Cessna, and I've got just enough gas in it to do the job. And sure enough, I come and I'm flying over the bookstore and I look down, I'm thinking, well, now's the time to go. So open the hatch, jump out and off I go. And that's when I realized I forgot to strap my parachute on. So <laughs> oh, as, <no. laughs> as, as I'm falling, my parachute is falling with me, but not on me. And now I've got about 2,000 feet to get inside that sucker, which I just barely do at the last moment, pull the cord and basically hit the ground at about mm, 30 miles an hour, breaking my legs. Perfect. So <laughs> at this point, running away is not going to happen. And I'm literally only a few yards from this <laughs> now ridiculous scene of, of carnage because wearing I a parachute,
2: <laughs> wearing a parachute. Uh, doesn't and lo and look guilty
1: behold, at all. <laughs> and lo and behold, here comes a detective whose name just happens to be Columbo, and he wants to ask <laughs> some questions.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really funny because I was thinking, uh, man, you you you've got your insurance game really uh top notch here. You understand that acts of God are not covered by insurance either. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it, that's a huge win. Unfortunately, the Cessna costs you somewhere in the neighborhood of a million bucks at least. Yeah. And those broken yeah. legs uh, are gonna cost yeah. you a fair amount of money as well. Um, so, yeah, but I'm
1: making, I'm making 2.5 a year, right?
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. No, you, All right. so. it, money, money's getting stressful at this point, because even though you're making, you're spending a lot on your, your burgeoning business, um, yes. and you like to keep as much of the profit as you can for a, an eventual vacation in Hawaii with your, um, significant other. And, and yeah. here's the deal though, is the detective, as he's questioning you, um, is is like it's clear that he knows exactly what happened. You're wearing a parachute, but it's late yep. at night. And so he's the only person around and uh, you offer to, to pay him off. And lo and behold, he says, I don't I don't want you to pay me off. I want to get on your payroll. You're making some massive mistakes. I, I can uh, I can help you out. What, What's it going to be?
1: Oh, so I become the mentor at this point. Wow.
2: <laughs> so, so
1: I can look at I can look at this two ways. A, he's either trying to trap me right now, and this would be a perfect trap, because if I concede that, yep, it's me, and come on, join the club. Well, then I've basically, you know, confessed. Um, the other part would be that, you know, he doesn't like being a detective, and they pay him crap. And here it is, and I'm going to be handing him a mill a year out of my salary, but it's worth it to me because I'm still doing well at 1.5, and so I take him under my wing, and. <laughs> Because he has access to uh, uh, police logs and stuff, I basically need to find out um, schedules for uh, when the police come and go, uh, who's patrolling and when, uh, you know, where's the nearest donut store and is it open at 1 a.m. In, in the morning near the next bookstore I want to take out. So he comes in handy. You know, he, he's, the, he's a fountain of, of knowledge for me <laughs> uh, in, in, in my endeavors. You know, and um yeah. I mean it could go either way.
2: He's he's a super helpful dude. The problem yeah. is is that you notice that he starts getting a little bit lazy. You have you have like maybe four or five bookstores go down cheaply. I mean, which is a huge thing. You were spending a lot of money to take down each bookstore, yeah. but now he's kind of figured out how to streamline it. But uh, he starts not answering your phone calls. He starts not responding to your emails. Uh, uh yeah. Yeah. You go, uh-huh. you go to his, yeah. you go to his house and, and, uh, uh-huh. you knock on the door and he kind of opens it up a crack and you, you're pretty sure he's just chilling in his whitey tidies with a bottle of Chimay, uh, yeah. which is a really nice beer for anybody out there uh-huh. who likes yeah. nice beer. Uh, and you, you get to kind of wondering, uh, and, and that's when he tells you, uh, you know, I just don't feel like you're paying me enough for my valuable services. Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking for a raise. You know, it's been a few months and and he has been valuable, but you understand like pretty soon, uh, you're going to be making that McDonald's wages and he's going to be earning $2.5 million to to keep everything under wraps. So, uh, so what
1: happens is, so what happens is at this point, I realize he's become a free agent and he (laughs) no longer, he no longer needs me. And as it happens to turn out, there's a major reward from the (coughs) president of the book chain for any information regarding the whereabouts or who's been doing this. So I drop a dime on the guy and say, yeah, I think the guy you're looking for is so-and-so. He's a disgraced police officer, and I believe that he's responsible. And so I drop the dime, and I basically figure out his next target, and I tell the police, listen, if you want to nail this guy, I believe this is his next target. How I know that is none of your business, but trust me, this is the guy you're looking for. And sure enough, um, he shows up with whatever means he's going to do to you know, take out this bookstore. The police are there, apprehend him. I get the big reward. He can't say anything. He can't point the finger at me because there's no proof. There's absolutely no proof. He takes, you know, he takes, he goes down for it and I get the nice big fat reward. And that's when I retire.
2: <laughs> well, you know well, you got
1: you got to get out when you can
2: yeah you 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 try you do try to get out and so what we what we will do is we will leave this story to the listeners if you if you enjoyed the the whimsical funny nature of the story and you want to carry it on and and figure out where it goes and and build it out, feel free to do that because we all know that there is a dot 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 at the end of this the end because Amazon isn't going to let you get away that easy um so with with that in mind i really uh it's great we took this in the comedic vein it was the perfect story to tell with a comedic twist to it uh and so it's perfect to have somebody who hosts a, a comedy podcast tell, thank you uh yeah yeah tell everybody <laughs> who's listening a little bit about your podcast uh and where they can find it all
1: right our, our com our podcast is generally a weekly comedy podcast uh we are uh, our website is pull yourself to pieces all one word dot com. Uh, we use uh, we can be found on Spotify and all the other platforms that Spotify is attached to. Um, it's basically f- family friendly. Uh, we rarely get political. It's it's sketch comedy like early SNL mad magazine national lampoon that type of thing um uh, you know it's comedy well, i'm an old guy so I've, I've studied all the great comedians my brother's only five years younger than me so we harken back to the days of sketch comedy and that's where we try to go with it so we have a lot of fun
2: awesome okay so i will have a, a note in my show notes that will link to your podcast. You also have a forthcoming book. We didn't discuss uh, what level of readiness it's at, or if you have an idea of when it's going to be published. I won't be able to put that in my show notes at this point, but uh, yeah. what would you tell the the listeners if they enjoy the way that you tell a story? Um, they're probably going to love the stories that you wrote. Um, give them any information you can so that they can find you eventually.
1: Uh, the We have a working title, I believe. It's it's called Not What You Were Expecting. Uh, all of the stories have a central theme of irony running through them because I just happen to love irony. Um, so, yeah, uh, they, they should be available um, on Amazon, To I, I don't even know how this works, uh, you know how you, whether you download it or whatever. I know physical copies can be made if you request a physical copy, and that's fine, too. Um, I don't know what the price is going to be, but again, it's a compilation of nine short stories from my head. Uh, they're all original stories, except one. One of the stories is was Billy's idea, my brother. And um, he said to me, can you make a story out of this? And I looked at him. I said, what's wrong with you? And I said, yeah, I can make a story out of this, which I did.
2: Awesome. Yeah. So beautiful telling stories with you. And uh, Ray, I hope that Likewise. we stay in touch.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'll see you on Twitter, my friend.